Amen. Great to be with you today and those of you that are joining us online. So excited to be in God's house and looking at what God is doing and all that he has planned for us. It's incredible. We had four baptisms in the previous service, which was amazing. Celebrating that, that statement of faith for those that we're celebrating together and those with you and with us. You can watch it online if you need to. Uh, checking that out, it's pretty cool. Um, I want to let you know that next Sunday is Rodeo Sunday. I can't believe it's already here, but it is. It's kicking off Tucson week of rodeo. And so we do something different here at the church. As you know, we're doing um, the, our rodeo Sunday includes a chili cook-off. You need to sign up for that if you want to participate. And uh, we do hot dogs and food and all that stuff following the, uh, this service. The next week, it'll be happening from 1230 to 3. We will have uh, jump castles, different stuff going on, ponies for the kids, um, and I said for the kids because you can't ride the ponies if you're an adult, okay? But we are going to do something different. We're going to have some horse racing uh, that I believe that you adults will be able to participate in. Uh, so just come and check that out, and I'll, you'll understand it when it happens. Uh, and you will be physically getting on a horse for a race, okay? That's all I'm going to say, and you should come and check that out, okay? We have ministry opportunities. We are blessed. As you know, we live stream to Gospel Rescue Mission on the first Sunday of the month, and the reason we do that is because when someone enters the program at Gospel Rescue Mission, they're not allowed to leave the property for 30 days. This is part of the recovery process and to try and help them uh, get into a structure in their life that they need so that they can experience a life of freedom from not only the addictions but the brokenness of this world and the different things that are happening. Not everybody's an addict that goes there, but there's a need for that structure in their life, and so they're not allowed to leave. So we started live streaming down there on the first Sunday of the month, and we were willing to do more than that, but uh, those that were over the mission as far as the leadership of that uh, did not want to... Uh, make it look like CFF is the only choice and we're the ones that are doing this over there. So they said we could do one Sunday a month. And so that's what we've been doing for several years now. I mean, I don't even know how long. It's been a long time. Um, probably six years or so. Uh, I'm guessing, I don't know how long it's been. Whatever, it's been a while. Uh, here's what's happening. I received a call this week um, from someone overseeing the ministries at Gospel Rescue Mission. And they said, uh, if you guys are willing, we want you to do that every week. Uh, so, you know, in God's perfect timing, he's awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. I love how God does stuff, you know, and so we're going to be live streaming every Sunday over there, and because of that, we were looking for some people that would help facilitate that on their end, so you have to have a background check here by us uh, for legal issues and everything that's going on in your life, uh, and make sure you're a good person to go on over there and represent Jesus in that place, and so then uh, they have some things to train you on, but we needed like three to four people to do that so that we're not having someone there the entire time. We want people to rotate, be here and serving. That's the way we try and do all the ministries. We don't want you to be stuck with something every single Sunday uh, where you're not being part of what's happening in here as well. And so we have been, already been blessed with uh, several people that have already volunteered, which is so cool. Uh, that doesn't mean there's not a place for you to do that as well. Um, so if you want to do that or other things, as Justin mentioned at the beginning, please do that. Now, uh, before I share the message for the morning, which I'm very excited to bring the message that God's given to me, I want to share something personal for me. Um, I don't even know how long ago I, I told you I had four things that God brought to me um, right here, like just not right here, but in my life all at once, these things just kind of happen. And uh, two of the four have taken place now, and I can share some of that with you, and I will. And uh, just to, to, just, I wonder, I hope you're awake and paying attention right now. I'm not leaving this church. I'm saying that now so that you follow my story and not like get lost in what I'm saying to you. So, um, out of the blue, I received an email from someone that uh, I would normally just delete. I check my emails a couple times a day, it's a way of communicating things, and someone wrote me. Uh, an email, and it had this like heading in the subject line. You know how that is, and you're looking at it. I was like, "That's spam. I don't know how that thing missed that. I'm going to delete that thing." And then I saw my name and the church name right there in the first line, and something, Spirit of God, stirred inside me should read that. And so I actually read that email instead of just deleting it like I normally would. And as I read that thing, I was like, "This is so weird. This doesn't even make sense to me that this person is reaching out to me." 
and they're from the Midwest, and they oversee some things up there in the church, a very large group of churches. That person oversees like 177 churches in the Midwest, and they were reaching out and said they wanted to interview me, and I'm like, what? One of 13 pastors they wanted to interview, and I was thinking that is the weirdest thing, like, dude, you're, I didn't say this to him, I'm thinking in my head, like, you got, you're overseeing 107, I think you could find somebody to interview up there, you know, you don't have to come to Tucson, I'm coming there just to interview you, whatever. So i like, I agreed to this thing, you know, I'm like, all right, Lord, I mean, obviously you had me read this, I think it's weird, I don't get it, but I'm doing it. So we had an interview, um, he didn't make it to Tucson, because you know how flying is today, but got diverted, couldn't make it, but we did it via Zoom. And when that happened, it was a 100% God thing, uh, as it always is when God's doing something. And God just spoke into my life in such a cool way. And I was able to communicate with this individual as they did an interview of me asking me some questions. And then I understood why he asked me to do it, because he clarified why, because I was like, okay, I don't even know how you know who I am. I'm a nobody over here, and where did you get my name, and why are you talk, talking to me? So he explained some of the details of the thing, and it wasn't about the interview, as you know, God does stuff behind the scenes. God was developing something and talking to me about some things that tied into my second thing. The second thing, uh, our district superintendent's retiring in July, and a district superintendent in our denomination, uh, we're Wesleyan, in case you didn't know that, don't worry about it, we just serve Jesus, we don't care about that, but... Um, the individual that leads the churches in the Pacific Southwest District, we have about 70-some churches here in uh, Arizona, Nevada, and California, and Hawaii. We don't have any in Hawaii. We just have that region. Um, so um, I was nominated to take his position when he retired in July. I didn't put my name in. I was nominated by a group of pastors in the board. So they wrote me a letter and said, you know, would you consider putting your resume in to fill this role, which is a, you know, it was honored that they would do that. And I've walked with the Lord, and I've talked to you guys about this, right? Remember the surrender, trust, and obey thing? <laughs> okay? I've been down that road a lot, okay? So when I'm reading this thing and I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, I can't just delete this email. I already know that right now. I have to pray. I have to ask God, is this something you want me to do? I know that it's a full-time position. It would require me to resign from CFF to do that position. I wrote the guy that wrote me and said, Is this, uh, are you asking me to be full-time in this position, or are you asking me the thing that I was part of the board when we were looking at another option of restructuring government and allowing a person to pastor the church and be a, a DS at the same time? He said, Nope, we're not looking at that any longer. You have to be full-time. And so, you know, immediately in my heart sank, and uh, I know this, church. You remember when I told you that I had to give my wife to the Lord because he may have something better for her than me if she wasn't going to survive her cancer. I had to let go of her. And so I had to do the same thing with this church and say, you know, Lord, I mean, I'm not, I'm nothing. I give this church to you, it's your church, and if you have something else planned, then it's going to be better for the church, and I'm not. So whatever you want, I'll do it, even though in my flesh I don't want to. Number one, I don't want to do that job. Number two, I don't want to leave the church, but I'm willing if that's what you want from me. I'm so happy that when I surrendered and trusted him and obeyed him in that process, that he definitely affirmed me he didn't want me to leave the church. And I was so excited and blessed in that aspect and then as I began to pray through and, and look at what God was saying to me, I submitted my resume with a cover letter saying that I would remain the pastor of CFF and we needed to change the governmental structure of what happens in the district so that I can serve both the church and the greater church beyond myself. And so as I submitted that, I knew God wanted me to do that, and I submitted it. And, uh, you know, when I did that, it wasn't, I didn't make it public. I didn't want to take all this time I'm telling you to explain everything. Um, but it's important that I do today. So Kim and I prayed. We submitted it. Felt really clear and good about it. And I was like, well, that's over with. They'll never write me and call me again. <laughs> and um, 
they contacted me and said I was one of two finalists and they wanted to interview me for the position, right? Yeah, that's cool. It was, I was very honored that they would do that. I was shocked. Honestly, I was completely blown away in shock. Like, you're kidding me. You, <laughs> you're really dead, eh? Uh, so last uh, Wednesday, Kim and I drove over to San Diego and we were scheduled to interview between 9.30 and noon uh, with the board and uh, the general superintendent who is the one that oversees the worldwide church. So we have... About 1,500 churches here in North America, but we have more churches around the world than we do in North America. So we're a group of churches that are over, you know, three to 4,000. I don't even know how many we have. 5,000 churches around the world. Who cares? I don't care. God does. And I care about the souls of people. So God asked me to do this, and I'm like, whoa. I go into that room, and I want you to know that as we had asked prayer covering, and I thank you guys for praying for me, that Kim and I were completely at peace I prayed, I fasted, I worked, I put together a job description, I put together uh, the governmental structure of things, I I put together uh, all my notes to answer the eight sections of things that they had requested of me, and when we went into the room, the Spirit of God was just so heavy and so awesome, and as we sat there and they asked questions and we were able to share our heart, God provided an opportunity for us to share a heavy burden on our heart for the church, a challenge that God had placed inside of us about the transformation that he desires to do in us. And so for that time, we were able to just pour our heart out, which we believe was the the heart of God in doing so, and sharing with them what God wanted to do and what God is desiring to have happen in his church. When we finished... We were completely at peace, like excited that God gave us that honored privilege to do that. And they had the other candidate, there was only two candidates uh, after they went through everything, was going to meet them in the afternoon. And so her and I went to lunch and started driving back to Tucson. And we were like, uh, we knew they were going to call us before we got home and, you know, with the answer, because they were going to vote that day and make it happen. And so as we were driving, um, you know, I was uh, completely at peace, seriously. I mean, like, so cool. When the phone rang, though, and it was Dave's voice, the other guy's name is Dave, when his voice came on the phone, my stomach immediately went into a knot, and I was like, please don't say my name, please don't say my name. (laughs) So we want you to know we love you guys, and that was amazing. But we decided we think we need a full-time person and not what you were presenting to us. And so we elected to go with that other guy. And man, I tell you what, church, I, I had a weight come off me like you wouldn't believe. I didn't even realize how heavy it was on me. And the, the words that came out of my mouth were, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> right on the phone with them. And I was like, thank you, God. I mean, like, I want you guys to know you have no idea, number one, how much I love you. Number two, that this is, as far as I know, the first time in my surrender, trust, and obey thing that it went my way. <laughs> I mean, I was blown away. I was completely expecting to say, we want you, because I was like, I don't want to do this. You know, and most of the time, God has to do what you think you don't want to do, and then it ends up being what you are supposed to do, and it's right. You know what I mean? But like when he just said no, I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I am literally, I'm not joking, since Thursday, every once in a while, I just burst out laughing. I'm just like, man, I'm like, I'm a free man. Thank you, God. That is incredible. Now, in the midst of that, I already know he's up to something else, right? You all know that, right? I mean, that's the way God works. He's working behind the scenes and everything, but I am a free man today. Oh, my goodness. I am so blessed to be your pastor. I mean that. I was willing. I am willing to do whatever God wants. Don't misunderstand me. But I love being your pastor. I do. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'm so blessed. I wasn't going to leave the church, by the way, just so you know. Even if I did that job, this would be my church, and I would live where I live and be here with you unless I had to travel, just, just to clarify things. But I didn't want to do that. God's amazing. I'm so grateful. I'm so free, man. I'm, yeah, I love you. Thank you. I'm like, thank you, God. I do have two other things, and I'm not talking about them now, but they're going on. Uh, one of them will happen this week. Actually, I will tell you one more. Why not? I don't have baptisms. I got a couple minutes to spare. So <laughs> I didn't tell the other service uh, what's going on, but we are, Kim and I are traveling again this week. And what we're doing this time is we're going up to the village of Oak Creek, which is the little community south of Sedona. Uh, there's a group of people up there that reached out to us 
and said, you know what, we, we want you to consider uh, making us a campus of CFF and becoming like a satellite campus of us. So we're going up there on uh, uh, whatever day, I don't know, this, one day this week, it's on my calendar, I'm going up, Kim and I are going to go, we're going to pray over the city, uh, we're going to look at some things that are there, and then on Friday we're going to meet at lunch with some specific people, and then the whole group of people we're going to meet with at five. So James and Lindsay are going with us, That's James is our sound guy and Lindsay's our treasure, and we're all going up there together to pray over this thing, meet the people, and just ask God what he's up to. And if this is something he wants us to do, we want to do it, you know, but we don't want to do it if it's not God. I don't, I don't need something else to do. I'll find something else to do. So, you know, I don't want to do this. I mean that in a good way. I want to do it if it's God's will. I desire for this to happen. I do believe it's going to happen. Uh, maybe not there. I don't know where, but God wants us to do some satellite campuses. I'm 100% sure of that. That's coming as we've prepared some of the things that you have made possible here with your donations was upgrading some of our online stuff, the lighting, we're doing new cameras, we're doing some things, because I absolutely believe in the future it's going to be necessary for the church to be able to reach outside of its walls and provide God's word and worship to people that are not able to be in churches. I just believe that. So as you saw, we're going to talk about the zip codes down the road here. That was a re there for a reason. It was part of what I shared on last Thursday with the group of people that we met with. But, in the, you know, he... I'm just telling you God's amazing. You already know that. But I'm so thrilled and excited about so many things that he did. It's so cool. Man, I like, I just want you to know I could just sit right here and just relax for a few hours and be happy. Uh, just to be here with you and to be able to do this. So well, let's move on. We don't need a deal anymore. So uh, if you watch the Be the Church video series that we give out, the devotionals, Monday through Friday, if you don't know what that is. We have a YouTube channel, and we give you devotionals five days a week, two to three minutes, four minutes at tops, uh, daily. And if you don't watch them, you know, it's not like you should do this as a legalistic religious thing. Uh, it's just like it's available, okay? And we do that for a reason. We want to connect with you and give you something to look at. And if you've, I mean, listen to as you prepare your day. If you've been watching that, you'll know that we started looking at the biblical view of love in the month of February. I pray about those devotionals, I ask God what does he want to say, I say what God wants me to say in those little moments, and no question about it, God was speaking to me about this love in the month of February. So here's what's happened, and it's so cool how God, the reason he gave that to me is he began to put things together and show me something. Here we just came out of Advent, the celebration of Christmas, the gift of God, the gift of love. That came to us. God made flesh and live among us. And then as you travel from that time, you go all the way to Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday is the next major holiday. And there is the supreme example of love and a gift that God has made possible to us. And here's the cool thing that God showed me. He says right in the middle, the world has placed this celebration of love that has nothing in context with this or this. It's the world's perspective of love. And this is true love, and this is true love, and this is a mirage of love. And so what we want to do is we want to expose the mirage of the world with the truth of what love truly is. And as we do that, as we go forward today, I'm like so excited about what God is saying to us. When we look into the seat, Valentine's Day coming up on Tuesday is not me telling you don't give something to someone you love and you don't have to not celebrate it. I'm not doing that. So don't try and play that card with someone that you love like, well, I want to be spiritual and I don't want to celebrate Valentine's Day. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. Well, it's not what God wants to say. But the thing is, is I want you to see this, church. When you look at Valentine's Day, it's all about physical and emotional love. And there's a reason it's that. I brought my phone with me up here. Usually I don't. And uh, the reason I brought my phone up here is because I want to read to you the definition of love in the English language according to Webster's Dictionary. And here it is. Number one, a noun. An intense feeling of deep affection. Think about that. This is our definition of love. An intense 
feeling of deep affection. The verb aspect of love is this, feel deep affection for someone or something. So when we look in our own language and our own understanding as we're trying to understand love, we are already told that it's an emotion or a feeling, and that is 100% wrong. And the reason why we're looking at what the Word of God says is as we look at the Word of God and it's talking to us about love, and the whole reason why God wanted me to do the devotional starting in February about love was to expose the lie that all of us have been susceptible to, believed in, and it's messing our lives up. Look, the Word of God has to be the answer to tell us what love is because God is the answer to all things. And so now when we look to the root, to the basis, to the understanding of where we would understand what love is, we read the word of God. And in 1 John chapter 4, I've read these verses to you multiple times in the past. But listen, church, we have to hear this because it's so incredibly important. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Right now, look at everybody's probably comfortable with that. Even the world would be comfortable with what I just read, but we're not done. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So now, here's the reason we have to read this and understand some things. See, for us to understand love, we have to understand that God is love. Therefore, Love is not an emotion or a feeling because that's not what God is. God is not an emotion or a feeling. Our feelings and our emotions are affected by God just like they're affected by love because God is love. But if we are looking at just the uh, results of a feeling or something, then that can change, right? So when it says to us in our own understanding of our language that love is an emotional, an intense emotion or feeling, I want you to know when I said this the other, uh, in the other service, and I want to make sure you all understand this clearly, is that, you know, maybe two to three days ago, my wife woke up with some intense emotional feelings about me. Maybe. But they might not have what we would define as love. They might be other feelings, but they're strong and intense, and they're emotional. And it may be because I did something stupid, right? Okay, I I didn't do that, and she didn't wake up that way. Just to clarify, but I want you to understand that could have happened, and that's not love. So an emotional, intense emotional feeling has nothing to do with it. What we're looking at right here is God is love. Therefore, it's not just an attribute of God. God's not a feeling. It says God is love. And you can study that verse if you want to, and people have, and they look at it. And it's it's not a misinterpretation. It's what God is. It's who God is. God is love. That's why when we read that scripture, you see... He says, you, if you know God, you love, and you love everyone. And if you don't know God, you don't love everyone because God's love. That's the key to everything. God is love, and he's not an emotion or a feeling. Hold on now. We, see, here's where we get in trouble. We, as Christian people in the church, tell people that God was present in the service because we felt him. I had an experience with God. I felt something as we sang songs. I feel emotions, and you should, and I do. I want you to know I feel those things. But that does not mean God was here. God is here. And if you don't feel God, doesn't mean he's not here. He's just as here if you feel him or not because he's God, and he's not a feeling. He is love. Now then, when we put that into context, church, you see... Like, I can have a feeling and not have God, but I can't have love and not have God. Ah, that's there. Now we're starting to connect some dots. See, here's the problem then that can happen to us is we begin to pursue feelings, attributing those feelings to God, and I can pursue after emotional experiences rather than God Himself, even in the church. And in spiritual things, I can look for a feeling. To, to just make myself feel good about my relationship with God. 
That doesn't mean you have a relationship with God because you feel something in church. See, a relationship with God is love. And therefore, if it's not a feeling or an emotion, then I need to know what my relationship with God is. I need to know what love is. Love is something way beyond feeling or emotion. It's God. (sighs) See, this is how we in the human world screw everything up in our relationships. Because even in our own language, telling us it's a feeling or an emotion, we step out of relationships that God never meant for us to step out of because I don't feel anything anymore. We believe the lie of the world, like this relationship, I'm talking about my wife and I, say, if I don't feel like I love her, then I must not love you anymore, and maybe I never did. I don't know, because I don't feel the same way about you that I did. I don't have the same emotions about you that I did. Therefore, I feel like I'm no longer in love with you, and I end this relationship. That happens so often in our, even in the Christian community, where we have been deceived into believing that if I don't feel something, I no longer love you. So early in my relationship with Kim, uh, when we were dating and didn't know God or anything, um, she held my hand, I held her hand, we held hands. I don't know who did that first, but we held hands, and I had a feeling, and I liked that feeling, right? And then she kissed me. I want you all to know, we're putting this on record I did not kiss her, she kissed me. And you're going to ask her about that, you know, because she acts like she's all shy and quiet and everything, but I was trying to like, hey, give me space. No, kidding. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so when Kim kissed me, you know, like I had feelings, right? You know what I'm talking about. Like uh, strange, wonderful feelings that I didn't understand. It was like, wow, I want you. That's exactly what I felt. I want you. But you see, when we go back to that moment in time, what I wanted was, this is something that I desire, I want, but I wanted it for me, and I never had the thought about what she wanted. Nothing about that. Nope. All I thought about was, I want that. And all I was thinking of is, you can meet my needs, girl. (laughs) you have it all I want it all you know I mean I'm just being honest with you that's where it's at see that's not love but see we think it is and we had a relationship for several years before I ever found out what love truly was and it wasn't until her and I came to Jesus that I first loved her I already planned on marrying her and all that stuff that we do in this world based on my desires for her and how I wanted to live with her and have her meet my needs forever. I'm not saying I never did anything for her. Don't misunderstand me. But you see, the heart of my pursuit of her was not to make her life better. It was for her to meet my need and make my life better. Now when we look into the word of God and we discover what love is and when God places himself inside of you in that relationship that he's made possible... All of a sudden, true love is born. And now I see things differently. When we're living in the world, it creates this opportunity for affairs to happen. Because you see, um, before we ever got married, Kim and I could hold hands, and it did not affect my feelings. And I'm not being disrespectful. If you have ever been in a relationship, you know what I'm talking about. Later on, when you hold hands, it doesn't give you the same spark it used to give you. It's just holding her hand. And I don't mean just. There's something more to it. I have matured beyond that. And my understanding of what love is is so much deeper than that. I, I told you all before, you know, like, the re- God slapped me for this just ahead of time. So you don't, like, think what a jerk I am. But um, when I was awakened to this by God in our relationship, and this was, we were married at this time, I grabbed her hand and we were walking together and I said, hey, you need some cream on those things. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, because, uh, yeah, things change. You understand what I'm saying? 
Okay, that didn't mean I didn't love her, so just relax and don't judge me. Uh, you know, but I'm saying is, look, if I only attributed love to a feeling, right then I'd have thought, something ain't right. And she probably had that thought, but it wasn't in my mind. It wasn't about our relationship at all. It was like, your skin needs some help. Help it. All right, you know. Yes, she was probably changing diapers, washing her hands, doing all this stuff. I get it. Okay, just relax. I did get slapped by God, and he was like, you remember when you felt her the first time? What's wrong with you? Okay, so I repented. Good. Okay, but here, the reason I'm saying all this is because, see, when we believe the delusion of the world that love is a feeling or an emotion, and I no longer get the warm fuzzies just because I touch your hand, and I'm not getting those tingly feelings of desire for you when I hold your hand, or even when you kiss me. Well, what happens then is the enemy brings someone alongside of you at work, in a store, or someplace else. And the enemy has them place their hand on your shoulder or give you a glance or a smile. And you get this feeling. And it's a lie. It's, a, it's, a, it's an illusion. And the enemy's saying like, ooh, I think there's something there. And so then you begin to be drawn to your emotions and feelings again. But listen, remember what that is. That's self. And so as we feel that feeling and we get drawn in that direction, we get pulled into a lie of deception that the enemy wants to bring because that's not love. That's sin. God's not in an affair. God's not in adultery. God says those things are sin. And therefore, the enemy's a liar. And you understand that happens in the Christian community? Do you, are you listening, church? People in the Christian community have not understood what love is, and therefore we fall prey to the lies of love, and we lose ourselves in emotions, and we destroy relationships that God actually is in. Because you see, it's a commitment that goes beyond feelings. It's love. I mean, Kim and I have been married. We'll be married this September 40 years. So, I mean, you got to hear me. And again, I'm not going to get hit for this and don't get all weirded out or anything. But, you know, we can kiss each other and I can have no feelings of emotions that go all fireworky on me. Because, see, I'm more mature than that now. There's love there. It means more to me than anything. I don't have to have those feelings. I love her, and she loves me, and I know it. And I have never loved her more in my life than I do now. And I'm not just saying that to you. I want you to know there's something so much deeper Amen. and so much more real that God gives to us that's so far beyond the surface garbage the world wants to offer us. It's nothing. It's an illusion that empties itself, and that's why people continuously go into relationships, out of relationships, in and out, in and out, in and out, because it's like we're pursuing something that's not there. We're looking for God, and he's not there. He's not going to be found in a relationship unless it's with him. And then when the relationship is found in him, then the relationship can be real. You can't do it your way and say, God bless this. That doesn't work. Come on, man. Let's get real with ourselves and honest with God. All right. So let's move on so that we're not stuck here. We're going to continue to look in the Word of God in 1 John 4, and we're reading in verse 9. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Do you see how Christmas and Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday are the example of love? Do you see that? It's like it's right here in the word of God, and he's like, this is who I am. This is me. And I have not only, this is not only who I am, but you have seen it. And it's, it's available, and it's all from me. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So as we look at that, we see that the true model of love is, is 
giving or providing what that individual could not give or provide for themselves. You see, like in that earlier stages of Kim and I's relationship before Jesus, I looked at what she could provide for me. Selfishness, that's where sin lives. But love is what can I provide for you? How can I meet your needs and make everything right in your life? That's what love is. That's what God does. That's who he is. And that's where love works, church. That's what it is. That was never in my thoughts. Couldn't be because God wasn't in me. And therefore, when it was only me, it's me looking for my needs to be met. Now, here's why this problem in our world is going on called pornography. This is exactly why it's going on. You see, we have been told that love is an emotion or a feeling, and therefore, if something makes me emotional or makes me feel, and then I can meet my own needs, or I can have needs met through an illusion, I pursue that. And so people are pursuing porn, trying to fill the absence of love in their life, and they're addicted to this stuff because they're addicted to a feeling and an emotion, and they've been told that's what love is, and that's why there's so much confusion and brokenness, and we get ourselves in bondage to something, and there's no way you can be in bondage in love. You can't be. Love sets you free. It doesn't put you in bondage. And so church, see, when we begin to step back and see all the things that are going on and we see how the enemy works and how he tries to take us into brokenness and he wants to own us as slaves, God's saying there is freedom and love because this is who I am. Let's experience the fullness of what true love is and begin to live in that love. Now, see, early on, uh, when we look at the the scriptures of love and all that, and we look in the Bible, um, we already know our language is jacked up. It is. Because I can love my wife, love my house, love my motorcycle, love my horse, love my dog, love hot dogs, and, and we use that same word, and none of that means the same thing. Right? It doesn't mean anything like that. So now as we step away from our language for a minute, and then we look into the Bible in the, in the book of uh, the New Testament section of the Bible, and it's written in Hebrew and Aramaic. And when we look at the word love, see, in the Greek, there's four different kinds of words that fills that gap and helps us, but we have no way to interpret some of that stuff. So the word that is found in the context of the marriage relationship and God's relationship with us is agape. You've probably been around the church, you've heard that. We don't have a definition for agape in our language, obviously, or we'd have the right definition for our word love. We don't. And so when they translated the Bible, King James decided he wanted to own the money that was going to Rome and made the, uh, the English Anglican church and all that stuff that happened over there. And he began to translate the Bible into English, which was the 1611 version, not the one that we have that we call the old King James, because that's a, I don't want to get off on that. Never mind. Don't get hung up on the King James. That's not God's written word. It's just a translation, okay? Just get over it. Um, I love you. I'm sorry. That wasn't meant to be offensive. It's trying to help us. But listen, 1 Corinthians 13 is called the love chapter. In the King James Version, the more modern King James Version, it says that it's, they use the word charity. That's the word that's used there instead of love, okay? So it says, if I don't have charity then I'm only like a gong or clanging cymbal. All right, so that word actually helps us understand love a little better than our word in there. It does. Because, see, remember, God is love, and God, in the demonstration of his love, was providing something for us we couldn't provide for ourselves. That's charity. But, see, the problem with us in the modern world today is that how we view charity is, I no longer want this, I'm going to give it as a donation to charity because maybe someone else does. So we give our used, our unwanted, and we cast them aside in the name of charity to meet your need. I, again, I'm, please, I'm not being disrespectful. I hope you know that because that's the vast majority of charity that happens today. It's just I don't want it. I can't use it. I don't need it. I want something different so you can have it. 
But in the context of God's word, when we're talking about agape, God's not just giving castaways. He gave himself something that we could not possess on our own. He gave himself the ultimate. And so the true act of love, the true act and the true definition of that charity, so to speak, is God giving himself for me and you, which is the demonstration of what love is, which is who he is. I love it. Let's go back to 1 John 4. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, how much? We just read that he gave himself for us. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Noah's never seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought into full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. That's amazing. When you put that all into context, you see what he just told us? He's like, when you know me, you have a relationship with me and now you love and you love everyone. And the expression of that love is made known by the spirit of God that lives in us, the Holy Spirit himself. Therefore, God deposits love in us for he is love and he lives in us. And now you and I as believers can actually love. And we're not called to just love the ones we want to love or love the ones we're with. We're called to love everyone, 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 for God so loved the world that he gave. Not just the ones that would receive it. Not the ones that understood it. God loved the world. So he gave. Now he says, here's how the, that I am expressed in your life. Let's use it that way, right? So this is how God is expressed in our life. The Holy Spirit's been deposited in us and we love everybody. Hmm. So I think we might have a problem because a lot of Christians aren't loving everybody. A lot of us that declare that we know God and that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, we are reserved in our love because we have feelings about someone. Oh, you see how that tied together? I don't like you. I have negative feelings towards you. Therefore, there's no way I truly love you, nor am I going to express love to you because I don't want to, because I don't like you. Oh, but wait a minute. Let's look at what God says to us in his word. What did he say to us? What was Jesus saying when he did a teaching about this love thing? Here's what he said to us. You've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Just let that sink in for a minute. You see what God's saying is just sprinkle love over everyone, sunshine or rain, either one. doesn't matter. The people you like or the people you don't like it has nothing to do with it. Love just loves. If you only love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Man, when we hear that verse, most of us get isolated right there and think, I am so jacked up. I am not perfect. I can't be God. No, wait a minute. Listen to what he just said to us. He is love. You are to love. And you are perfect like your Father in heaven when you love those who do wrong to you just like those who are friendly to you. Amen. And if you love like that, you're perfect like the Father. So perfection is available for us in the love of what God is giving us, right? That makes sense? He, he's not going to tell us to do something we can't do right. through him. 
And therefore, we need to love people the way he says. And if we do that, then we are perfect like the Father. Hmm. Okay. So one more verse in Romans 5, 8, it says this. When we read that scripture that's back there in Romans, it talks about this. That God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Right? We all know that, right? I mean, God loved us and he died for us before we ever came to him. So God was loving me even when I wasn't loving him. He loves me the same now that I came to him as he did before I came to him. Because that's who he is. See, the difference now is that now I love God because God lives in me. So what changed in the relationship is that now I have become aware of love. I'm aware of God. I have a relationship with God. I now have the ability to love because God lives in me, and now I have a relationship with him. But it didn't change in God. It changed in me. It was available all along. That's what it tells us. While we were yet sinners. So this is what Jesus is teaching us, church. He's saying, like, you know, you don't just love the people who are responding to you the way you want them to respond. You simply love, just like God did for us when he gave himself to us. While we didn't deserve it, we've never deserved it. And so we're not waiting for someone to reciprocate something. We're loving. Man. So amazing. It's so simple. It really is. If we would just like push away all the, the lies and the deception the world has tried to get us to believe and just look to God for the answer, love is simple. It's not complex. It's not. It's just the receiving of that gift and now giving that gift. That easy. Seriously. <laughs> okay. So living love is only possible by God. And the only way to love like that is to have God living inside of us, which is what we've already read in 1 John 4, which he already told us in his word. So when we enter into relationship with God, he tells us when we come to that moment, we receive the gift of God, which is salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it is the act of God that gives us the ability to receive it. And therefore, now that I've received it, he deposits himself in us, the Holy Spirit. I now have the ability to now begin to understand love experience love, and give love. So with the absence of God, we have no ability to do any of that. So this is why God tells us, if you're a believer, you can't have a relationship with a non-believer. Now we're talking about, like, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about, don't yoke yourself to an unbeliever. In other words, like, if I'm single and I'm looking for someone to spend my life with, uh, you better not do that with an unbeliever. It's like, he's like, what? What are you doing? Light and darkness have no fellowship. You're not the same. That person doesn't know what love is. You know what love is. You can't experience love together because they don't know what love is. So if you're single and you're dating someone that doesn't know God, get out of that relationship today. You're welcome. Yeah. Okay, seriously, because the only reason you're in that relationship is because you have emotional feelings that are drawing you there, and it's the enemy that's trying to get you to step away from what love is into what the world says it is, and you will compromise your relationship with God if you do it, because you're going directly against the word of God, and you're welcome for that. If you're married to someone and they're not in relationship with God, God's not telling you to leave them, okay? There's scripture that teaches us that we're supposed to love them the way God wants us to love them so that they will understand who God is by the example that we set and the way that God lives through us. So many marriages and families could be fixed if we would just listen to God and do it his way. We jack it up when we do it our way and we get involved in it and we want to compromise and we want to tell God how it's supposed to be and then we act on it and then ask forgiveness later. Stop it. Let's experience what God has for us to the fullness, man. Now, some of us in this room have had affairs. We've broken relationships. We've been divorced. We've had all this stuff. And the enemy's like, you know, you suck. You're not worthy. You shouldn't even be in church right now. None of that. No, listen. 
That is his lies and deception as well. Can we just stop with that stuff and know that God is a forgiver of all things? And if you're sitting here today, wherever you are in your life today, God wants you to understand love from this moment forward. He wants you to live in it. He wants you to experience it. If this is your fifth, sixth, or seventh marriage, whatever it may be, God wants this one to be the one he blesses for the rest of your life. Okay? Now, don't walk out of here and say, well, I'm still looking for number seven. Relax. All right? Just let God be in the midst of this thing and begin to learn what love is, and then you'll stop screwing up what you got. It's the best marriage counseling you'll ever receive in your life, and I'm giving it to you for no charge. Okay? (laughs) If there's a problem in your relationship, it's probably you. All right? Surrender to God, let God work in you, and show you what love is, and your spouse will thank God forever. God loves you. He's calling you into relationship with if you don't know him. If you are not a born-again Christian today, that is where you will begin to understand and experience love for you. He wants you to know God loves you. It is the supreme love. It goes far beyond what any human being could ever do for you. The relationship that we have with the human being is a mirror of that relationship with God. But remember that it's a mirror of, it's not it. So no relationship with the human being can take place with the rela- of the relationship with God. God's relationship has to be first. And when God's relationship with you is first, for the first time you'll be able to have human relationship that's actually in love. Amen. It's amazing. I'm telling you, man, if you don't know that, it's what you're looking for. It is what you're looking for. Because sin has removed love from us, and we're pursuing love in every area of life, trying to find the answer. And it's only with him that it can be found. If you don't know him, you need to. We're having an altar call now, so we stand with me and know this altar's open. If you want to receive that gift of love today and you don't know him, make today the day you do. For those of you that are Christians and you've kind of been messing up with this thing and you're looking for love and an emotion or a feeling and you're kind of confused a little bit, I want you to know that God is talking to you and I want you to listen and understand, are you loving the way God has called you to love? Everyone. Everyone. Is there someone that doesn't deserve your love in your life? You can say yes. Absolutely there is. Right there is where you can see how much you are surrendered to who God is. Right there. Not right here in the church where you should like everybody but it's that one that you dislike is where you'll truly see where God exists in you ask God to help you to love them today how godlike are you loving Father here we are right here we desperately need you desperately We've been lied to, we've been deceived, and we have deceived and lied to ourselves in pursuing things in this world when you are the answer. We submit to you today.